So uh, we're going to start the morning with a, with a sermon, Woo. just to upset the religious spirit. One last try, going all out, um, but you, can't, you, haven't, you, you haven't worshipped. The spiritual realm isn't open. The angels wouldn't be here yet. What are we going to do? If anyone thought that, there you go, I'm just poking it. I don't mind. He's, he's been trying his hardest to mess with me this week but, and last week, but I'm still here. Yeah. Suck it. Suck dins? I don't, know, I don't know what dins was, but uh, that's what we used to say when we were kids. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, I, if you haven't listened to my sermon from last week, uh, it was a perler. Um, it was actually a whole lot of stuff that I'd shared kind of in the past, in the earlier seasons of our community, because that was a real big thing when we planted the church as well. We just didn't, we just wanted to come out of those constraints of kind of normal Christianity um, and, and that kind of religious way of doing things. And sometimes, you know what, doing, uh, sometimes doing a good thing, if it becomes a, like a God thing, that's when it's an issue. That's, that's what idolatry is. Essentially, when a good thing can become a God thing in our lives, it becomes God for us um, and not the true God, that's when it becomes a real issue. And so even sometimes in the church, like the way that we do things, we can get so constrained, oh, that has to be done this way, but it actually becomes almost an idol. So even good things can become idolatrous things. And that's what we're wanting just to break out of that idolatry, worshipping anything other than the one true God. So uh, just a little bit more about that sort of thing. Um, and I think even in the context of what we do as community, you know, the religious, the religious heart and the religious spirit will try and figure out ways to please God by following the rules. So it's like, well, I, I know that's kind of what he said and that's what the Bible said. So if I, if I follow all the rules and God will be pleased with me. But see, a kingdom heart, a free heart, knows that they are pleasing God because they feel his pleasure and delight. So what we want, and even as we come corporately, it's like we want to figure out what delights the Lord. We want to figure out what, what pleases God. And we can know, well, the Bible says these things, and you know, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not that faith pleases God, but faith is the seedbed, the vehicle for, for pleasing God. And that's the reality is that you can change God's emotions. Isn't that amazing? You can bless the Lord. You. Me? Yes, you. Everyone points to themselves and say, I can bless the Lord. You can do things that bless God, that God delights in. But see, sometimes we can get stuck in this place like, well, I, I think if I do this and maybe I try this and I stand up here and I don't do that and I try and do this, that God will be pleased with me. And yet, when we know the Holy Spirit, we will do something and we'll feel his pleasure. And it's like, I know that God was pleased because I felt his delight. I felt his pleasure because he moved and he, he did what he wanted to do. Every Tuesday we have a, a staff meeting and we always talk about kind of what, you know, review Sunday and, you know, did we, did we stick to the time schedule and um, <laughs> just joking. 
But we do talk about, like we just share, you know, how, how did this go? How did the worship time go? How did people respond and engage? And do we feel like we, we followed him well? But at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is, do we feel like God was pleased with the offering that we gave him? Because that's what we're doing when we come here. We're, just, we're bringing an offering before the Lord. We're wanting to, to engage in a deeper measure of intimacy. We're wanting to follow him. And if he's like, hey, I love that you've come. And now we're going to go out. And we're going to release something into the region. We're going to do something much bigger than just what's happening here. Even much bigger than just what's going on in the individual fear. But that's kind of that mark. And it's, and it's well, if I don't know the Holy Spirit, how am I going to know that I'm pleasing God? There's always going to be a guessing game. Well, I assume that God's pleased because... I've done X, Y, and Z. So I guess he must just be. But that we can then fall into this religious thing of going, well, you know, that, that seems like rather that's what the Bible says, rather than being like, I know what pleases him because I feel his pleasure. Yeah? Is that cool? So part of what we're wanting to do this morning and every time that we gather corporately, every time we're in the prayer room together, any time that we're hanging out, we want to know what's, what's pleasing to God. And so we use the scriptures because we understand, well, these are the things that we know pleases him, but I'm going to do those things and kind of interact and react and engage with the presence of God. Because God is real. He's very spiritual. As I said last week, if you're kind of a bit iffy about the spiritual, all that spiritual stuff, I hate to break it to you, but the Lord is the spirit. With the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Like it's just, he's... He's pretty spiritual. He's kind of, he's the most spiritual that you can get. Like you don't get any more spiritual than God himself, you know? He's one of those guys. So what we want to make sure that we're focusing on, on intimacy over accuracy. Because sometimes even what pleased God in one season isn't what is, what is going to find pleasure in, in the next season. It's intimacy over accuracy. Now, again, I don't, I'm not saying that God is ever, he's not displeased with you in a way that like, oh, get over there, you're disgusting and gross. But it's like, you want to do, I want to do what he delights in, what fills him with life and with love. For me, like, that's kind of that, in that marriage relationship, but I think it comes down to any relationship in friendship with people that you love, you want to do things that stir up delight in their heart. That was, that was what I spent yesterday doing. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, and I'm not bragging or boasting because there's been plenty of things that I haven't done. But, you know, like I was like, well, there's, there was some recycled red brick for our new house that we can lay down. So I moved about two ton of brick by hand. Four hours of driving up to Beaconsfield and back twice. And then I went up and picked up some rustic chandeliers and an old rustic ladder and picked up a nice French chair to some bargains that Lisa had found online. But for me, I'm like, I didn't have to do any of those things. If I hadn't done those things, it wouldn't have been that Lisa would have not been pleased with me as a husband because I'm not then failing in every other area. I'm still that, but it's like, oh, but what a delight to get to do things that cause delight in another person. Like what a delight. And that's what we get to do with God. We get to cause delight in his heart. Amen? We're not trying to move from God just, oh, I just hope he's not displeased with me. 
We can get caught up in that place sometimes, even with our, just with our works and trying, I'm just trying to not do bad things so that God's not angry with me. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not what your relationship with the Father is supposed to be about. It's, well, he's made the way. I, I am righteous now in Christ. I don't have to work for my righteousness, but I have to outwork that righteousness. And as I outwork that righteousness, that's when the Father is pleased with me. That sanctification, being set apart. And as I shared in my sermon last week, you know, being holy, Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. Which means be set apart as I am set apart. And as I shared, it's not about saying, well, I'm going to be separate now and I'm going to be over here. To be sanctified, to be set apart, to be holy is to be used for your intended purpose. So as, you know, as a, as, a, as a hammer is meant for hammering nails into a piece of timber or other things, like that's what it's designed for. So when a hammer is used to hammer in nails, it is being sanctified. It is being holy. It is being set apart for its intended purpose. And that's the Lord's desire for you. In a, in a religious environment or, or in a kingdom environment, the actions and behaviors of people can look the same. And that's one thing we wrestled with, you know, and always going through. It's like, we don't just want to do what the church has always done just because that's what they do and kind of get stuck in this religious mold that says, I have to do these things because, you know, well, that's what churches do and, and whatever. But at the same time, there's some good things that happen in the body of Christ. Like, there's just good things that happen in the church. Getting together on a Sunday morning, worshiping Jesus, connecting with one another, hearing and learning from the scriptures, like, that's a good thing. But some people do that religiously, not out of a place of freedom. But what we don't want to do is say, well, that, that, that thing that they do, well, that's used religiously, so we're just not going to, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So then that difficulty is then looking at and even discerning in your own heart, am I doing that out of religious obligation or am I doing that out of a place of freedom? And if you're doing it out of a place of religious obligation, the answer to that isn't just to stop doing it's to change your heart and ask the Lord to come in and say, you know, when you, when you give to God, it might be in serving other people in some way. That could be a sacrifice or it can be a robbery. And the only difference is the state of your heart. If I put out my hand and then Rachel takes something from my hand, in my heart, I'm saying, I just gave to Rachel and I freely gave and she received what I had. But I could put out my hand and she takes from me. And if my heart's saying, she just took from me. Literally, the whole action was exactly the same. And yet the intent of my heart, I feel like I've, I've been robbed. So when it comes to the Lord, we can be in that state to know, I, I give a sacrifice willingly. I desire to cost myself for the sake of, of intimacy with the Father, for the sake of loving my brother and sister, for the sake of the expansion of the kingdom. But my heart determines the intent, and ultimately the fruit. See, religion and freedom can look the same, but they have different roots, so they have different fruits. If you do something out of religious obligation, you'll eventually find that the fruit will turn sour and bad and dry up, and you'll have all of this bitter fruit on your tree. Because it's been coming from this place of performance, maybe, or, or, or you know, not knowing that you're righteous, so you're trying to perform for, for God's righteousness or for people to like you, people pleasing, all of that sort of stuff. But it's coming from this unhealthy root place. And ultimately, you're going to get to this place where it's all bitter and, and gross. 
Whereas the, the root system of freedom and life and the kingdom and God's done it all, so I don't need to do it all, but I get to do all that he has called me to, that produces a beautiful fruit of rest and peace and life. Now, it will still cost you, but it costs you willingly. It's a sacrifice, not a robbery. When we come here and we gather and, you know, so we're, we're doing this prayer room thing during the week. And again, it's not just so we have a prayer room. It's an opportunity to listen, engage with the Father, and to go out and obey what he wants us to do. So it is, yes, we have information about it on a flyer up the back. You're welcome to grab one. So this is something for you. If you're like, oh, you know, the prayer room, I'm just not really into prayer. I, don't, I just don't love, you know, spending an hour in prayer. That's, that's what the prayer room's for. <laughs> you understand, like, oh, but I don't really enjoy praying. That's what the prayer room's for. So you can go along and you can learn to enjoy intimacy with the Father, listening and obeying. It's not for people who love prayer. The people who love to pray, they don't need the prayer room because they already love to pray. They already love to be in that place of listening and hearing and engaging and obeying and coming in and going out. They get that. But what we don't want is to have all of the people who love to pray come and pray together and all the people like, oh, you know, I'm just not really into pray. Don't. It's like, that kind of defeats the purpose. So if you're sitting here going, oh, prayer room, oh, like, you know, do I have an hour of my time? Am I really willing to, to sacrifice that cost? It's like, that's, it's for you. Yeah? It's like our sick people go to the hospital. It's because you, you, there's something wrong and you need some help and support. You're saying I'm a sick person? I'll let you decide. But see, when we come and then to gather together on a Sunday, I just want to say welcome to the prayer room. Welcome to the prayer house, because that's what Jesus has said, my house will be a house of prayer. When we're not talking about this building, we're talking about this people, as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we are the house of God. Jesus said, my house, that's you and me individually and collectively, will be a house of prayer. It'll be a house of communion and intimacy and hearing and obeying. Not of just doing lots of religious activity, that might look good on the outside, but isn't really achieving any fruit. We want this place, when we gather together, to be the place that Jesus feels most comfortable. So it means that it's like, well, why? Like, man, you guys, these, they worship for so long. It's not just because we decided, well, we're going to be that church that worships for a really long time. You know, I reckon we'd probably worship for a lot less time if everybody switched in, engaged, and actually did what the Holy Spirit was doing. Because I want to tell you, and I'm not pointing any fingers at you, like literally, but a lot of that conversation, it feels like sometimes like it just took us so long for people to get there and then, ah, oh, yes, breakthrough happened. Because there's probably a whole lot of stuff going on, and I get it, like, I've got a family, I've got three kids, just lots of responsibility, lots of things that go on. I, like, I totally get it. But there's that time when we want to come in together, it's like, okay, it's shoulder to the plow, I'm engaged, I'm here, I'm ready. What are you wanting to do, Holy Spirit? Because we're here for Jesus. We're not here for, for you. Like, if, if, 
if, if this was set up for me, there'd be like more meat. Not of the word, I mean like, you know, ribs, fried chicken, there'd be more beer. Again, any religious spirits out there, you're going to get freaked out, I'm sorry. I drink beer. Like that, that to me, I'm like, okay, if you're going to set something up for me, it's going to look different. It'd probably be later in the day. But you know what I'm saying? It's like we're coming here, it's like, okay, we're here, Jesus. What do you want? We're listening, Jesus. We're ready for you. Like, what are you wanting to do? Oh, you just wanted to give us an encounter with your peace this morning. Awesome. We're prepared. We're ready. We're here to receive. Or it's like, oh, you want us to intercede over the region this morning. It's like, awesome. We're, we're here. What are you saying, Holy Spirit? So before we sing in worship and engage with God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus what he wants today. And I would hope that that would be all of our prayer every morning when we wake up and we give our first part of the day and we just say, Jesus, what do you want to do today? Where are we going today? What do you want to teach me today, Jesus? Because that's what lordship looks like. I've, I've said a number of times before, but I think sometimes we underestimate the pervasiveness of the lordship of Jesus. We underestimate how pervasive, how much it just invades every part of our lives, his lordship. He is lord of all. He's not lord of your Sunday morning. He's lord of all. We say, oh, I I give my tithe, I give my 10%. Jesus is lord of the 10%. He's lord of all of it. You just give a tenth away for the, for the church to steward and you then go with Jesus and steward the other 90%. There's no leftovers for you in the kingdom. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all his. And he delights to partner with you in that. And now again, if that freaks you out and makes you, but what's he going to do? That's part of your journey to have your heart healed so you're not fearful of God in the wrong kind of way. But you probably won't engage with how fearful you are until you maybe get some fear of the Lord in you. So you know that's actually ungodly fear that I'm engaging with. What is going to bless you today, Jesus? And this is the thing, because if we don't ask the question, then we don't know what he wants. But then another question to ask is, what if what Jesus wants isn't what I want? What are you going to do about that? You know, sometimes it's easier to not ask the question because then we don't have to deal with the consequence of the answer. If we don't ask Jesus what he wants, then I don't have to engage or disengage with what he's telling me to do. I just get to live in ignorant bliss. It's not the bliss of heaven. It's a different sort of bliss. So we say, well, Jesus, what do you want to do this morning? I want you to dance before me. Oh, no. (laughs) Why did I ask? It's like when you ask your kids, like, what do you want to do today, kids? You know they're probably going to say something that's going to cost you. (laughs) It's 
going to involve a lot of cleanup, like it's just going to be messy and tiring and probably maybe not what you're going to enjoy. But you know where the delight comes, that in that sacrifice and you see the look on their face and you're like, wow, that was so worth it. It's, it's the same with Jesus. He's not angry with you, but he's, he's longing for you to stir up delight in his heart. He doesn't need you to, he wants you to. So I just want to encourage you. We're just trying to set a new culture, hopefully not just in this church, but in the kingdom where the intent of us gathering together corporately is always, what do you want to do, Jesus? You want to do that? Okay, Jesus, that's going to cost me. But oh, I'm so excited for the delight that it's going to stir up in your heart when I obey. All right, why don't you stand with me? Well, you just close your eyes and just put your hand on your heart. Or you put your hand on your belly. I always, I always feel like that's where Holy Spirit lives in me, in my gut, in my core. Yeah. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you desire to walk in the garden with me. Just in the cool of the day, you desire and that we would speak to us, Lord, and you'd speak over us. You've, got, you've always got something to say. And Father, we just want to position our hearts right now to hear what you have to say. And Father, I bind up even that lie that might be in people's minds right now or embedded in their hearts that says, God doesn't speak to me. I just want to assure you the Father is always speaking. It's just that you're not listening and you're not hearing. So, Father, we pray, give them ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Give them ears to hear, Lord. Over every person in the room right now, I just declare ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That you are designed to hear from God. That you are His sheep and His sheep hear his voice. So we just thank you, Father. It is divinely righteous. It is divine order for us to hear what you are saying, Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit, I pray that even as we would step in with fear, like what is the consequence going to be if he doesn't speak to me? Then I'll have to deal with that. I'll have to deal with my unbelief. Well, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that dealing with unbelief is far better than living in unbelief, Lord. So we just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do this morning? What do you want to do this morning, Lord? What's going to give you pleasure this morning? What are you delighting in today, Lord? Because we just want to do what you're doing, Lord. And if you call us to dance, it's because you're already dancing, Lord. If you call us to cry out, it's because you're already crying out. And you're saying, come and join with me. Come and join in what I'm doing in my kingdom. Come and join in what I'm doing in the region. Come and join in what I'm desiring to do in your heart. So we just thank you for partnership and agreement this morning, Lord. And we pray as your spirit flows, as that river comes, Lord, every part of, of religiosity, Lord, would just get washed out of the doors, Lord. That's not your desire for us, Lord. You don't desire for us to live by rules and regulations because you've written the law in our heart, Lord. You've written your word on our heart. You've put your desires in our heart, Lord. 
So we just thank you for your manifest presence this morning, God. We wait on you. We thank you that we hear from you, God. And Father, give us that grace to obey, just to say yes, Lord. Even right now, we just say yes before you've even told us what you want us to do. Because we trust that you are good and whatever you have for us is good. We say yes to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.